This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. everybody. Good. I'm happy to be here. Are you guys happy to be here? Really? Hey, Simeon. (laughs) What are you doing? Well, well, well. We're here for another tribe night. Yeah. Woohoo. Is anybody here for the first time? I don't like you guys. Cool. Sweet. Awesome. What's your name? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll try to remember you forever now, okay? That's my goal. Well, has everybody had a good day? Yeah. Awful quiet. Just a lot of quiet people in here. I love you too, Michael. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I need to get somebody to get me energized a little bit. It's too quiet in here. Yeah. There we go. Now we can start. Now we can start. All right. So we are going to finish this series up tonight. Get out of my mind. Um, in this series, we've been talking about Jesus and his temptation and how he was tempted just like we are. But before we get started, how many of you, so when you were younger, I know a lot of you are young now, but let's just say when you were younger, growing up, or maybe right this second, so not as you're growing up, like right now, you promised yourself or you're currently promising yourself that you would never do something when you were older. Like, raise your hand if you've made yourself a promise that you, you know when you're older you're not going to do that. Or like when you go into high school, you're not doing this. Or going into middle school, I'm not going to do this. Here's some examples, okay? So if you're a little confused, maybe if you're in middle school, you're currently promising yourself, like I said, you'll never do something in high school. Like you'll, the clothes you said you're never going to wear. Like you said, I'm never going to wear that kind of clothes whenever I get to high school. Or... Maybe the music that you swore you would never be into. Like, you're like, I'm never going to listen to that kind of music my entire life. I hate it. I can't stand it. 
maybe like the trends that are going on right now. Like maybe you're a guy who, maybe you're not into social media. Maybe you've promised yourself, I'll never get on social media or something like that. A trend that's going on right now that you've promised yourself, I'm not going to be a part of that and I know I'm not going to. For me, when I was growing up, it was music. <coughs> I love music. I love music a lot. It's like my outlet. I make. I like to make music. I like to just sit down and listen to it. Um, just put headphones on, completely zone out, and just get into my own little world. That's how I process things. But as many of you may know, or many of you don't know, I have a hatred for country music. A hatred. It's not just a dislike, it's a hatred. I can't stand it. And growing up, I was very clear about one thing. I was never going to listen to it, ever. If I was in the car with somebody, I was going to tell them to change the radio station. I was going to put my own headphones in. If I was going somewhere and I knew country music was going to be played, I wasn't going to be there. I got invited to a concert when I was in middle school with friends, and it was just like, go listen to, I don't even know who it was, because I care this little about country music, but it was some country music singer, and I said, nope, not going, I don't care if all my friends are going, I don't want to go listen to it, and that was in middle school, like I couldn't stand it then, and I hate it even more now, so maybe, maybe that's your thing, and that's fine, you need to get your ears checked if you like it, but that's cool. All of us, not all of us are as perfect as me and listen to the best kind of music and don't listen to that. But if that's what you are, that's great. I'm more of a hip-hop, kind of classic rock kind of person. I like anything but country music, but that's just me. But then, but then, in high school, I started dating this girl and believe it or not, of course, she was really into country. Like, loved country music. Like, how did I get myself into this is what I was thinking. So here I was, like a freshman in high school who hated country music. Anything I could do to get away from it, that's what I was doing. And I was faced with, like, this deep struggle of either giving up on my high school crush or giving in to the ear-shattering, awful sounds of country music. Well, it's been a really long, hard struggle for me, but I ended up marrying that girl. So needless to say, I have been listening to a lot of country music in my life, a lot more than I ever dreamed I would. And since then, I still don't like it, like at all, but I put up with it because that's what you do. That's what you do whenever you fall madly in love, right? You listen to country music. So take notes. Sometimes you just got to listen to stuff you don't like. I never thought, like this is just the honest truth. Guys don't really think about their wedding all that much. Like, I don't really think, I never really thought about it growing up. But one thing I never thought was that country music would be played at my wedding. And it was. I think there was more country music than anything else. So, fun stuff. 
but trying, trying to make the person that you really liked in high school happy, and a little bit of peer pressure eventually won out in my life. It beat out everything that I had for my hatred for country music. I still don't like it, like I said, but I gave in. But that is just kind of how high school goes, right? Like so many of us enter middle school or enter high school, and we just start thinking things like, I would never do that. Never. I'm never going to date him or her. Absolutely not. I will never try that. That thing is, no, not for me. I'm never going to do it. And then, well, we, we do, right? This happens with simple things like music, different preferences like that. But it also happens in areas of our life that are a little more complicated, maybe a little more important too. And I'm talking about like substances that we put into our bodies, words that we choose to use, people we become influenced by, things we do with our bodies, ways we treat our parent or our step-parent. The list can just go on and on and on. It can go on forever. And in fact, if we're really honest with ourselves, for some of us, the very person that we thought we would never become, the person that we always told us always told ourselves we would never be is exactly who we feel like we're becoming. So then here we are in like this reality, right? This reality and aftermath of all the things we said we'd never do. And you look back and we've done them. We've all faced the same question once we get here, right? Like, well, what do I do now? Like I've messed up. I'm starting to become someone I don't want to be. What do I do now? And some of us keep making the same poor decision. It's almost like we just gave up, and we just keep giving up, and we give in to whatever the thing is for us. We think, this is, this is just who I am now. This is just what I do. I've already made these decisions. I've already made poor decisions. What's the point in turning back now? Like, this is just, just who I am. And others of us, we do our, like, our really best to hide it, right? Like, you do everything you can to hide it. Maybe it's a habit or a boundary that we keep crossing over and over, and instead of dealing with it, we just find new ways to cover it up. So no one knows what we're going through. No one knows what we're doing. We just hide it. And we feel guilty, but we just decide, instead of dealing with that guilt, instead of dealing with the issue... We're just going to push it to the side, forget about it. Or maybe we do something we thought we'd never do, right? We're so confident we're never going to do it again. We, I made this one mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I told myself I'd never do it. I did it, but it's not going to happen again. It's just a one-time thing. We decide we're not going to end up in that place. We won't give in to that temptation again. We're never going to try it again. But then somehow, we do. And once we do, it feels like we're right back where we started. Right back where we were when we said we're never going to do it again. And then we get stuck. We get stuck right where we messed up. We gave in to the temptation, and now those temptations... Whoa. That was really loud. 
I'm going to take a drink of water and take a break now. Go for it, man. You got your own? Take a sip. So we gave in to temptation, and now those temptations have become patterns that we stay in. Like, it, we're stuck. We messed up, and now we're stuck. This is loud. What is going on? <laughs> there are things that we find ourselves giving into over and over and over again. Here's what I do know for sure, though. I know two things. Number one, messing up or giving into temptation can be one of the quickest ways that we can convince ourselves to give up in our belief in and our relationship with God. When we mess up, when we make mistakes, it is so easy to convince ourselves it doesn't matter anymore. Just give up on our relationship with God. That's the first thing. And the second thing I know for sure is that every single one of us, each one of you, me, everybody, is 100% for sure going to mess up. So messing up is the easiest way for us to convince ourselves that our relationship with God doesn't matter, that, it's, that we aren't in the right place to continue it, and we're all going to mess up. So what do we do? What do we do with that information, knowing that we're going to mess up and how difficult on our lives it can be when we give in to these temptations? So the last few weeks, we've been talking about Jesus, talking about how he faced temptation. So the man that Christians believe was God in human body, in human form, faced temptation just like us, faced the same pressures faced all the same issues and problems that we do, but he didn't give in to them. He never gave in to any of the temptations that he faced, but he does know what it feels like to be tempted. So that's what's important in that. He may not have gave up, but Jesus does understand what it's like to be tempted. And he does have something to say about how we can move forward after we give in to a temptation. One of his best friends named John recorded the story of Jesus' life in a document that we now call the Gospel of John. And check out what John wrote down here. He said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So John writes that Jesus didn't come to the earth to condemn us. That was not his purpose, to come here and just condemn each and every one of us. And to condemn simply means to give up on, to say, you're not worth it anymore. It's pointless. Basically, it's another, it's another way to say it's over for us. Like, if you're condemned, then it's over. There's no point in caring whatsoever about anything because the story's already been written. It's done. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to give up on us when we give in to temptation. He didn't come so that we'd be clear just how mad God is at us for, our, you know, for all of our mess-ups and how much trouble we're in for all the ways we've failed. That wasn't his purpose. He didn't come to earth to tell you how bad you are, how wrong you are, and that God is so angry and you're done for. 
what he did do is Jesus came to save us from the punishment we deserve for all the ways that we've messed up for eternity. He came to save, save us from our tendency to stay where we gave in, to stay in that, in that just pit that we fall into when we give in to temptation. He came to show us another way to experience life. So if Jesus came to show us a new way to experience life, not to condemn us, what does that, what does that really mean for us? What does that mean for each and every one of us? Well, the good news is, if you didn't catch anything else I've said today, if nothing else has stuck with you and nothing else from this point on sticks with you, this is what I want you to remember. Just remember this phrase. When you give in, you can start again. See, God is a God of second chances. We don't have to say, we don't have to stay stuck where we've messed up. We don't have to believe that these lies that tell us that we'll only ever be the results of the bad decisions we've made. Like those bad decisions don't have to define us. Jesus wanted to show us that when we think it's over, it's not. It's nowhere close to over. When we think we've given in too much, or we've given in too many times, or this temptation that we've given into is just too big, he hasn't given up on us. Part of following Jesus is believing that he's the only one who can say that you are condemned. He's the only one that can tell you that you're condemned, that it's over for you. Since he's perfect, he's the only one qualified to call us condemned or to give up on us. But he does the exact opposite. The only one who can says we're not, says we're not condemned. He's the only one with the authority to tell you what's actually true about you. The only one who could have given up on you decided to give you a fresh start. So what does it look like to move forward and start again? What does a fresh start look like? Well, before Jesus was walking the earth, one of his ancestors named David wrote something that give a, that gives us the words like we so deeply need when we mess up. Gives us words to use when we don't know what else to say. David was a man who had some really, really big mess ups. If you don't know the story of David, he did a lot of things to mess up. But he also had faith that God would forgive and save people from condemnation. Look at David's approach when he needed to start again. He says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, David was writing this in response to one of the biggest mess-ups that he had in his entire life. Like a huge mess-up. He was living in the middle of the results of the temptation that he had chosen to give in to. And what was this temptation? What was his mess-up? Well, he had slept with a married woman, and then, after he'd done that, he had her husband killed. Like, talk about a really big mess up. Like, something that, how do you come back from this? And I doubt any of you are sitting on that type of mess up. If you are, um, talk to me after this. 
we have somewhere that we need to go, and it is called the police station. But regardless of what your story looks like, his approach can apply to all of our lives. David chose not to give up. Like, he messed up big time, but he chose to start again. And you and I can do the same thing. When we give in, we can start again by following David's steps. The first thing we can do is ask for a pure heart. Now, I realize this is kind of like old school language. We don't really talk that way. But we know what this looks like. We want a clean conscience. And we want, like, all the guilt to be gone, to, like, be wiped clean from us. And David was asking God for the same thing. So we should, too. When we mess up, the first thing we should do is to ask God for that. For some of us, this might mean that we need to ask for forgiveness for something we've done. We might need to confess to God and someone we trust about what you did. We might need to invite someone in to help us head in a different direction. Sometimes we need help. We might even have to experience some consequences in life because that's just what happens. But no matter what's ahead, we can be confident that when we ask God for a pure heart and we take the steps we need to deal with what we hold inside, that he's going to give us the pure heart that we ask for. When you go into it seriously, when you go into it with the idea that God is going to give you a pure heart and you want that pure heart, then that's the only thing that can come out of it. And secondly, we have to live with a steadfast spirit. And this is even more old school language again, right? Like words we don't really use today. But David is asking for help and making good decisions. Like he's just asking God for help. God, help me to make good decisions. Help me to have a solid way to keep moving forward. Steadfast is just another way of saying solid or committed. And David's asking God to help him to stay focused. Stay focused on what God says is best for his life. And we can do the exact same. Once we've asked for a pure heart, once we've confessed, once we've asked for forgiveness, we're already on the road to a new way of life. You're already on, you're already on the right path. But then we need to ask God to keep us focused, to keep us focused and keep us making good decisions. Ask for help whenever temptation hasn't even came up yet, because it's going to down the road. We have to ask God now for help have to ask him before, that way we can build that up inside of us, and when that time comes, we're going to face it a completely different way than if we tried to just approach it on our own. We have to decide to, to make a change and commit to continuing in the steps that are necessary to keep moving toward what we know is best and what God knows is best for us. But here's the, here's the thing about all of this, right? is that God is the only one who can do it. The only one who can do it for us. Like if you and I try to keep our own hearts pure, and we try to make consistently solid decisions all on our own, we're going to fail. We will fail. I fail when I do it. 
Your leaders will tell you they fail whenever they rely on themselves. We just fail whenever we try to put it all on our own shoulders and go about it by ourselves. We can't just try hard in our own power and keep ourselves focused on what God says is best. Like we need Jesus' example of how to love God, ourselves, and others to turn us from our tendency to, to make bad decisions and our bad habits of staying in what we give into. And the good news is this is exactly what Jesus promised he'd do for us. This is exactly why he said he came. For some of us, this means we have to choose to believe this is true for the very first time. Like you have to choose to believe that the reason Jesus came was to stand alongside us and to help us, not to condemn us, but to save us from that past and to help us going forward. You might be hearing all this and thinking, yeah, a fresh start is exactly what I need. It's exactly what I need right now. Like you cannot find the way out of the place you feel like you, you're stuck in. And you feel like you got there all, all on your own and you don't know what to do. You don't have to get out by yourself. And if that's you, this is exactly what God wants for you. He wants you to reach out to him and to trust that he can bring you out of it. And even more than that, that he'll help you through the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. See, he sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago for this very reason, for this exact reason that we're talking about. Jesus came and he lived this perfect life, never gave in to any temptation, temptations that we give in to every day, not once. He was totally in sync with God and what God wanted for him. And though he did nothing wrong, Jesus was put to death on a cross. And he was buried, and three days later he came back. But what does that have to do with you? Like, what does that have to do with us? This old story of what Jesus did, his life, death, and resurrection, they show us the power of God. They show us exactly how powerful he is that he would send his son who would live a perfect life to die for all of our sins, everything that we have ever done wrong or are going to do wrong. He brought him back to life to show that none of that matters anymore because he died for it. His resurrection proves that death has no power over us anymore, that sin has no power, that not even death could defeat Jesus. And then Jesus tells us that that same exact power that brought him back to life is alive in us. So his life, his death, and his resurrection, they show us that, that what feels like the end of our story, like what feels like the very end to us and we have no coming back from, is never the end. It's never the end of our story. Your struggle with temptation doesn't need to define you or be the end of you because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that gave him a new life is alive in you. Like You can trust it. You can 100% count on it. You can lean on it when temptation feels overwhelming. Like his resurrection is a reminder that no amount of sin 
or evil or even our own mistakes are more powerful than his love for us and his spirit is in us. Believing Jesus is who he says he is and has done what he promised he was going to do allows us to live in this forgiveness of our sins, to live in that space that empowers us to live with a fresh start here and now. So if you're thinking, like if you're thinking that's what you need, or if you have more questions about this, I want to challenge you not to leave here today without talking to a leader, without talking to me, without talking to Tebow. Um, that's my challenge to you. And I know that it can be a little intimidating, but sometimes we need to do things that push us out of our comfort zone a little bit, especially when it comes to our souls, our eternity. So my challenge to you is to talk to a leader about how God can help you start new again, if that's where you feel like you're at today. And for others of us, we've, we've been around for a little bit, right? Like you've heard the story. We know everything that I said was true. You believe that it's true, but you feel like you've messed up recently. You feel like you've messed up so badly. You've given in to temptation, and now you just feel stuck. You feel completely stuck in where you're at, and you feel like you need to start again too. Like you need a fresh start. Well, the good news is, is that Jesus' death and resurrection are enough to cover everything that you have done or will ever do in your entire life, from start to finish. If you have trusted him and believe that he loves you unconditionally, if you've received forgiveness from him and a fresh start, none of that can be taken away from you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what temptation you've given into. The forgiveness that you've received from Jesus on that day that you asked for it, can never be taken away. This doesn't mean that there won't ever be consequences for our actions, but it does mean that you don't have to sit in this pit of regret and shame or guilt of all the bad decisions that you've made along the way. Instead, you can be so confident, 100% confident, that God doesn't condemn you, but instead that he loves you. And he loves you fully. He loves each and every part of you, even loves you when you mess up. And some of you may find yourself saying, like, but that just, that just doesn't sound fair, right? Like, are we saying that we just have endless do-overs? That doesn't seem fair. And I want to be crystal clear that what I'm saying is yes. You do have endless do-overs when it comes to God. It's exactly what I'm saying. Is it fair? Probably not. It's probably not fair at all. But is it true? Absolutely. Does it mean you'll never have consequences for your actions? Nope. You will. You'll get hurt sometimes because with sin, sin always hurts in some way. In one way or another, sin causes pain. And that's why God points us in a different direction. It's not rules. It's not trying to make your life more difficult. These things that God protects us from are for that very thing, for protection. Because everything with sin is evil. 
and brings pain and hurt. But what it does mean is that you never have to quit. You never have to give up, stay back, or go away. You never have to. It means that you have an endless, unlimited, no matter what amount of do-overs, and so does everyone else. And you can take the steps of asking for a pure heart and a steadfast spirit and begin moving forward today. Now, Ben, you can make your way back on up. As we wrap up here, um, the point is, is that regardless of what you've done or how you feel, like if you feel stuck, you feel like you're just stuck in this rut because of something that you've given into or a decision that you've made in your life, you need to remember that when you give in, you can start again. That's the most important thing that I want you to take away from tonight, is when you give in, you can start again. This is the, the good news about who Jesus is. He didn't come to tell us that we're screw-ups. He came to show us how to live life well, how to live a fulfilling life. He came to, he came to show us that even though we're imperfect, because of him, we can be confident that we get to be with a perfect God forever. And that even now, we can be confident that God always loves us and our mess-ups don't have to define us whatsoever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for each and every student, volunteer, leader in this room, Lord. Thank you for who you are, what you do for us each and every day. I thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he means to our lives, that it's more than just a story, that it's our future, it's who we are, it's what we can find our faith in, Lord. So my prayer is tonight that each person in this room would, would hear that would hear how important it is what Jesus did for us. And if there's anyone in this room who feels stuck, who feels like they can't get out, who feels lost and they've given up and they don't know what to do anymore, they don't know which direction to turn, that they would realize they could turn to you and they could turn to you a hundred times more. I pray that each person in here feels your love and knows how much you really, really care about them. That it's more than just words on pages. It's more than just feel-good stuff. That you want to save us. And that you want to help us. And you want to walk with us through life. I pray that we would seek you. And that we would continue to love each other the way that you love us. It's your name that I pray. Amen.